Praise God. All right, this morning I would like to pick up where we left off last week. Uh, we started a kind of a couple of messages, uh, a little mini-series, if you like, uh, entitled New Year's Revelations, Resolutions, and Resolves. And I believe that God wants to give us a fresh revelation at the beginning of the year. I believe that God wants us to make certain resolutions, that we will live our life in a certain way uh, for the rest of the year. And there are certain resolves that we make where we say, okay, uh, we're going to resolve to do this, and we will resolve not to do that. Uh, and uh, last week, I uh, made a few points. Uh, as I said, it was a little bit of a medley of uh, spiritual encouragement, uh, uh, some, some scriptures there that we had, and I trust that, uh, uh, that you are inspired by the Word of God, and I want to continue on in that vein this morning, uh, and then we'll see where God leads us on into February. And, of course, the... Uh, uh, messages throughout our campaign. They're already preset anyway. We're talking about time to dream. And uh, so in the meantime, let me just recap briefly where we were last week, and then we want to pick up from there and, and carry on. But uh, we've said that we've just entered a new year, and in, indeed we've entered a new decade. And somehow at the beginning of the year, it is always a fantastic opportunity for us to deal with any negative emotional baggage that we might have gathered up and laid down uh, negative attitudes, bad attitudes, lay them down, and to go on into the new year uh, with a clean slate, so to speak. The scripture that we started with is found in, uh, in uh, the book of Psalm 51, verse 10, where the psalmist said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And we said that success or failure in 2020 is not just determined by what we do, or what we don't do, it will be determined by the attitude that we do things with. And we talked about that the older adage, you know, where they say attitude determines attitude, uh, altitude. Uh, so attitude determines altitude is really very true, um, and our attitude is of utmost importance. We talked a little bit about goal setting, and we said it's good to set goals, but in the middle of all of our goals, all of our plans, all of our ambitions, we should have one overriding goal in our life, similar to that of Enoch in the Old Testament, where here in Hebrews 11, verse 5, it says, Before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Enoch pleased God. And I said that the biggest achievement that you and I can uh, have this year is that we walk with God and that we live a life that pleases him. And then we briefly spoke about a, a prophetic word uh, for the year. We said that uh, the year 2020 uh, is a year of plenty. And somehow I received this word in my spirit and I submitted to you to see if it kind of witnesses with you, if it chills with you, and hopefully that it encourages you to step out big and strong this year because God's got more for every single one of us. Uh, uh, we said that this work can, can be a proviso, if you like, with a set of conditions, and where God impresses upon our hearts that's important for us to live in God's will, to be in God's house, and to be in God's Word. These are kind of the three summary points that we talked about uh, 
And that's where we left off, and I want to now pray and trust God that uh, God will give us greater insight in relation to all of that. All right, Heavenly Father, we want to, once again, we want to honor you. Lord Jesus, we want to honor you and worship you. We thank you for this time that, Lord, we set this time aside for the teaching and the preaching of the word. We want to honor your word. And God, we uh, choose to be attentive right now, and we ask that you speak to us, give us fresh revelation and insights. And we thank you once again, Lord, that you always have answers for issues that we are facing. You've got solutions for problems that are going on right now, that, Lord, you've got insights where we are at an impasse, as it were, where we don't know what to do, that you're leading us and guiding us by your Spirit so we know what to do. And, Lord, we choose right now to make, to make good decisions this year and to live for you and to live a life that pleases you in Jesus name. Amen. All right, there we go. Um, let's launch out uh, the first point and it's all in your outline. Uh, the first point that I would like to uh, make this morning as part of this message is that the condition of our heart determines the level of plenty that we enjoy in 2020. Um, we talked about that, uh, you know, 2020 is meant to be a year of plenty. That's what God wants for you and for me. But we need to realize that's a potential that is not automatically a given. All right. It is a potential. Uh, and I would like to suggest to you that the condition of our heart will determine the level of plenty that we enjoy. Have you know that when you have got more there's always room for more after that, all right? So when they say more and more, you know, God tells us in the Old Testament that he wants to bring us to our wealthy mountain and that God's got more and more. And sometimes people get to more and they want to finish there. But God says, I want you to go after more. I want you to go to another more. Um, and this is not about a selfish more, but when we have more and more, we are able to help other people. All right, we can help to put more, more funds into the kingdom of God so that the gospel can spread further. We can send up missionaries and evangelists, and we can do all sorts of things when we're experiencing the more that comes after the more. So God is into the more and more. All right, so, uh, and I would suggest that uh, much of it determines uh, on the condition of our hearts. So, you know, when God speaks to us about plenty, He's now speaking to us about our heart, all right? It's, it's not just plenty, plenty, plenty. God says, okay, plenty is what I want for everybody, but let's speak about your heart, God's saying. Let's, let's now look, look at the heart and see what we need to do in order to step into that plenty that God has for you. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, and again, it's in your outline, and it's on the screen behind me. It says here in the New Living Translation, it says, Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. All right, guard your heart, for it, your heart, determines the course of your life. Now, this is not speaking about our physical heart, I should let you know. But by the way, it's good to look after your physical heart as well, all right? But this is speaking about our spiritual heart. This is speaking about the spirit of man. He, God says, guard it above all else because it will determine the course of your life. 
Sometimes people say, well, the course of our life is circumstantial, whatever goes on around us. But that's not true. God says it is your heart that determines the course of your life. You see, friend, our heart has got the ability to lead us towards prosperity, but it's also got the ability to lead us towards poverty. It's poverty or prosperity. In fact, that's the subtitle of our message here this morning, plenty or poverty it's up to you. All right? Some people say, well, what's God's will? I just want God's will. Well, God's will is plenty. All right? God's will is not poverty. All right? And, uh, and sometimes we need to get educated in, regard, in regards to God's will so we can reach out by faith and lay a hold of that which God has for us. So again, our spirit, our heart can lead us towards poverty or towards prosperity. And if our if, if our life, if we're already in poverty and we got poverty in our heart, it will keep us in poverty, whereas God wants to lead us out into a level of prosperity. Um, and uh, in fact, uh, all things come forth from our heart. Therefore, the condition of our heart is of utmost importance. So here, the same scripture, Proverbs 4, 23, in the Amplified Translation, it puts it this way. It says, keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard, for out of it flows the springs of life. And you know, we actually frequent around this scripture quite a bit because it's so important. Sometimes somebody's life goes well and then something happens in their heart and then it starts to take a turn towards not going so well. And a lot of it is determined with what goes on in our heart, in our spirit man at the time. In Matthew chapter 12, Jesus speaks into that very thing that we're discussing here this morning. And he says in verse 35, he says, A good person produces good things from the treasury of a, heart, of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. If you've got a pen in your hand, circle the word things. All right. Jesus says a good person produces good things out of the treasury of his heart. Good things. People say, well, things? Don't you go out and buy them in shops? No, no, no. Things come from our heart, all right? It's our heart that helps us to have the ability to get things. And in fact, furthermore, your heart in my heart is a treasury. And from that treasury, God wants things flowing out, good things for your life and for my life. We want to go a step further, but your heart in my heart is like a factory, like a production center that is able to produce things in our lives, things, um, good things, good relationships, good, good things all around. It comes forth from the heart. Many people don't know that. Many people have no idea that a lot of their troubles in life that they're in or kept in. They're not all created by what comes out of their heart, but God leads us out of troubles. And God leads us 
besides the still waters. God says, I will restore your soul. Psalm 23, uh, the great psalm that was written by King David. The Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. I shall not lack. He leads us besides the still waters. He restores our soul. And much of it he does through our heart. So as, as I say, a lot of people don't know that. But the devil knows it. That's why the devil is forever trying to mess up your heart and mess up my heart. But, you know, the Bible speaks here about uh, a treasury, that our heart is like a treasury. Um, and Jesus speaks about the good deposit of our heart, and there's also a bad deposit. And the devil is forever trying to put bad deposits in our hearts. Bad thoughts. Thoughts such as judging other people or speaking bad words about them or against them. Um, and, and, and a whole array of things. Because the devil knows that our heart is the production center of our life. And this is probably a kind of a, like a, it could be a slap in the face to some people, but I'm not trying to slap anybody here this morning. But can I suggest that where you are in life right now, to quite an extent, has to do with, gone on, with what's gone on in the heart, or for that matter, has not gone on. Uh, because out of it springs the issues of life. Well, how does it say it here in the Amplified Translation? Guard your heart, for out of it flows the springs of life. So this is very important, friends. Uh, this is very, very important. That's why, you know, God's talking to us about plenty that he wants to lead us into. And next minute he speaks to us about our heart. The very first scripture that I brought to this house uh, uh, since coming back from the holidays in Psalm 51, where the Bible says, Create in me a clean heart. And renew a right spirit in me. A right spirit is a right attitude. Yeah. All right? Very important. Very, don't let the devil mess up your attitude. Don't let him mess up your spirit. Don't let him mess up your production center. Interesting, I was just watching a documentary about uh, some Second World War stuff and different things that um, were going on. And, uh, you know, the warring parties, uh, rather than sort of indiscriminately hitting into the enemy's land and, or cities for that matter, they try to hit the production centers because it takes out their ability to continue to keep the war machinery going. Um, and this is, that's in a natural sense, but in the spiritual sense, it's just like that. Spiritual warfare Spiritual warfare is not so much, you know, to kind of war into the heavenlies and to pull demons down. Spiritual warfare is to guard your heart and not let the devil put stuff in there or get in there, mess up your production center. <laughs> I know I'm laboring this point a bit more than what I planned, but friends, let's realize what's going on here. Your heart is a treasury. It's not a rubbish dump. That's why some people I don't listen to. Thank you. I, I have no time for that. I don't want you rubbish. I don't want you to dump. You know, we have to say somebody came and dumped on me. Somebody came and gossiped to me. The Bible says that gossip is like a, a tasty trifle 
proverbs. Gossip is like a tasty trifle that goes down into the innermost parts of your being. You listen to somebody's gossip, and guess where it ends up? It goes in the ear, and it ends up in your heart, and then you've got to deal with it. You know, there's people that I have liked. You know, I'm talking <laughs> in the past. There's people that I have liked and, 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 and loved, and suddenly somebody comes and tells me something about them, and now I'm struggling to like them. The people that they're talking about. Well, what's happened? My production center has been messed up. <laughs> because in our heart is the love of God. Is it Romans chapter 5 verse 5 where it says that the love of God has been shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit that was given to us. Does that mean anything to you this morning? So God's speaking to you about your heart and God's speaking to me about my heart. He's speaking to all of us about our hearts. All right? Jesus spent extensive times uh, in his teaching to focus on the heart. And he taught a parable um, called the parable of the sower. Um, traditionally, it's called the parable of the sower. But sometimes it's called the parable of the soils because it deals with four different types of soils, all, each one of them representing a certain condition of the human heart. And I wanna, want us to go through that. There's a little bit of reading to be done, and then we'll make some comments and see uh, what Jesus wants to get across to us this morning. So here it is. Uh, he speaks about the condition of our heart and also the deposit that goes in there. Mark chapter 4, verse 2. Then Jesus taught them many things by parables, and he said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. Um, and when the sun was up and it was scorched, because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Uh, some 30-fold. What is 30-fold? Not a term that we use much these days, but 30-fold uh, th means 30 times. So if you like, in a farming environment, when a farmer goes out and he throws one bucket of seed into the field, he could expect 30 buckets back, or 60 buckets, or 100 buckets, or perhaps sacks. Uh, or nowadays, in large uh, farming, they would speak about tons, uh, send out one ton of seed into the field and get back 30, 60, or 100 tons. That's kind of the sense that the Bible speaks about here. So right there, Jesus teaches or spoke that parable of the soils or the parable of the sower to the masses, but he only explained it to his disciples. And so, friends, to get revelation, the trick is and the key is to get close to Jesus. All right? There's always greater revelation. 
Sometimes people say, I haven't had a revelation in a long time. Well, get close to Jesus. And then there's a revelation every day, every moment of every day. All right? So because the Bible says, uh, he, he, they said to him, explain this parable uh, to us. And he said, well, to them, he says, I speak in parables, but to you it is given to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. So they, they were close enough to Jesus to be able to interact with him and to have the parable explained. Now, again, Jesus spoke that there was a sower that sold seed on four different types of soil. And the amazing thing is that only the fourth type of soil brought anything through to harvest time. The rest of it had, had crop failure, harvest failure. It just didn't happen. All right. Um, and uh, as he got ready to explain it to them, in verse 13, he says to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Now, that's an interesting phrase, an interesting sentence. Basically, what Jesus is telling us here, that the parable of the, of the soil, soils, plural, is the master key to unlock all the other parables. I remember many, many years ago, um, not quite sure if we were already in Bible college back then or, or just shortly after that, uh, I read that very sentence here, and he says, how will you understand all the parables? So in order to understand all the parables, I need to understand the parable of the soils because that is the master key that will unlock all the other uh, um, parables. So this was the days before computers. And nowadays, it's marvelous what you can do on a computer in terms of Bible study and Bible study software and ability to pull up different versions of the Bible all side by side or the different Gospels. You know, the parable of the sower is recorded in Matthew, in Mark, and in Luke. And each one has got a couple of nuances that are spoken about that are not in the others. So to really get the full sense, we've got to put them all side by side. So, as I said, before the days of computer um, and keyboards and, and so forth, so I took, a, I took a, uh, an exercise book and I took out the center page, folded it open, I hand-rolled all the three um, versions of this parable, uh, and I had them all coded so that each line was all in each sense and each soil was all accorded. And then I color coordinated it and I really like went into it like, with, okay, I really want to understand this thing because this thing is going to unlock a whole lot of other things for me. And I'm sure if I were to look around long enough in my archives, I would still find it because when I write something down um, in terms of any Bible study, I keep it. Uh, and because occasionally I go back to things and when I put multiplied hours into something, I just don't want that to get lost just because I forgotten it. Uh, when I go back to it, it, it all comes back to me again. So uh, now, now here's a thought. If you want to do a Bible study this year, take the parable of the sower, and, uh, but do it with a computer. I'm telling you, it's much easier. So here you go. How will you understand all the parables? And now he's getting ready to explain the whole thing. Verse 14, he says, the sower sows the word. The sower sows the word. Now, in case you're unsure about this, I'm sowing the word right now. And the fact that, uh, and that's just how it works. I'm not in any way more important than anybody else, but, but I'm sowing right now, and you're listening. 
Oh, I hope you're listening. Because <laughs> I'm sowing good seed. And, uh, and I'm not just aiming at your head. I'm aiming at your heart. In fact, the word not only renews our mind, but it is a deposit into our heart. So that the production center has raw materials to work with so it can bring forth good things. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, here it is, when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. So in other words, the devil comes and steals the word. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness and they have no root in themselves. And so endure only for a time. Afterwards, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake. Why does tribulation, trouble, and persecution arise for the word's sake? The devil is not so much after you. He's after the word in your heart. Because if he can steal the word from you and mess up your heart, he's messed up your life. So all of that stuff comes for the word's sake. All right. Um, he says, um, lost my place. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Afterwards, when tribulation and persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. One translation says, immediately they are offended. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones that hear the word and the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches and desires of other things enter in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Verse 20, this is what we're trying to get to. This is the good part now. All right. These are the ones sown on good ground. Circle the words good ground. This is the good ground. Those who hear the word accept it and bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60, and some 100. Now, a very quick summary of the parable. Parable of the sower, parable of the soils. Number one, the seed is the word of God. Number two, the soil is the human heart. Bible says that God has sent his word and healed them. Is that what Psalm 100 and something? God has sent his word and healed them. But for us to receive healing, the word needs to go into our heart so it can bring forth healing. Because healing comes forth from the heart. Prosperity comes forth from the heart. Peace comes forth from the heart because our heart, remember, is the production center. It is like the factory that God wants to use in order to lead you into a fruitful and into a fulfilled life. So the four different types of soil are now discussed. Four different grounds, four different conditions 
of the human heart. Now, let me say this, um, that with a crowd of this size, it is highly likely that we got people represented here this morning, like right now, with all four different types of soil. All right, everybody's on a different on a journey, everybody's a different level in their committedness to the Lord, and everybody's on, you know, as I say, we're not all in the same place uh, at the same time spiritually. But if I can do one thing this morning to encourage you, if you're found in the first three types of soil in relation to the condition of your heart, I'd really encourage you to migrate and to move on and to get to the fourth type. If you want a good year this year, Get to the fourth type of soil. <laughs> Make every effort. Guard your heart with all diligence. You know, once the heart is clean, guard it. But to get it clean requires effort. We've got to do some weeding. We've got to do some pulling out. We've got to do some repenting. We've got to, we got to ask God to say, God, I've got this thing in my heart that's not supposed to be there. I repent of it, Lord. I ask you to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. You know, God and us working together, it's not all God. It's not a matter of saying, okay, God, create in me a clean heart, and I'll see you later, and tell me when you're finished, and do our own thing. <laughs> you can't put the responsibility on God to do that. But every now and then, it's good to get down on our knees and go, that's a good place for cleansing to go on. And God uh, really sort of dealing uh, with issues of the heart. You know, like it's uh, when we get down, we physically feel the pressure on the knees, but then God works on the heart. So there's an area there where the word repentance is not preached about enough because it doesn't preach well in trendy places and in trendy sermons uh, because people say, only tell us the nice things. Don't tell us the other stuff. <laughs> All right? Don't tell, only tell us what God's doing for us. Don't tell me what my responsibility is. So, so but God says, no, no, I want to work together with you. So the four different types of soil, the wayside soil uh, is trampled ground that represents a hard heart. All right? Um, now, I have the kind, of, the kind of benefit of having grown up in the country. And, of course, we had roads, um, streets that were, were way back. Some of them were paved. Some of them were just shingle roads. But then we had the field roads where we traveled out into the fields. And they were, there was just dirt that had been traveled over sufficiently so it was hard enough and packed down enough you could drive a tractor on it uh, and not sink into the ground. And that's the wayside road. That's what Jesus is talking about. Wayside, immediately on the road and immediately on the side where, you know, you sort of drive back and forth. The, 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 the ground's packed down and uh, some seed fell on the wayside. Well, well that didn't produce any harvest because the Bible says that Satan immediately comes and steals the word. Now, <laughs> we've said this before, but the two times where couples are likely to have a scrap out of the whole week 
is on the way to church. The devil is hoping that they fight enough so they say, oh, we're all messed up now. We have to go to home. We can't go to church. Well, actually, church is the place where you come to to come right again. All right. And then the other time is the devil tries to get people into a scrap when they go home from church. All right. Just heard a wonderful message. Is this a wonderful message? What do you reckon? Wonderful message? Well, the devil is after the seed that we are sowing and that we are receiving right now. And the devil will try to mess you up on your way home before you even get to your front door. The word's already gone. <laughs> the devil comes immediately. Circle the word immediately. He doesn't want that word sitting there. And the uh, seed, you know, needs watering. It needs Germination, it needs to germinate, produce roots, and then before it can produce fruits, first is the root, then is the fruit. Uh, and the devil doesn't want that. So people say, oh, I'm always scared that the devil will steal the word. Well, actually, the devil will only steal the word in this instance with people with a hard heart. So if you haven't got a hard heart, you're okay. All right? Because the, the, the devil will have to try other tricks to get the, get the word out from, from, you, from your heart where, you know, where it's been sown. So the first one uh, is this trampled ground that represents a hard heart. The devil plucks off the word that was sown so that it cannot produce anything. Um, yet it's all the same seed. This is the deal. Everybody hears the same word. There's nothing wrong with the seed. It's not the seed that has a problem. It's the condition of the human heart that potentially has an issue that will prevent um, fruitfulness uh, and that will prevent a harvest. The next one is the stony ground, and that represents a shallow heart of those who are unwilling to persevere in the face of difficulties. Stony ground. Uh, people that made a bit of an effort to make the surface look good, but underneath there is stones, there are boulders under there, and, and, and then the bird's not able to produce roots because it, it immediately springs up, but then the roots can't go further because there's boulders in there. As a, visiting friends of ours many years ago now, and, uh, and we went out into the backyard, and, uh, and the man's made a real effort to put on a nice grass, and it was all flourishing and all doing well. But there was this funny strip going out from the back of the house, uh, about yay wide, about oh, half a meter, maybe just a bit more, about three, four meters out, and there was like this long rectangle where the grass was all dried up. I says, what, what, what have you done here? He says, well, he says, I'm a bit embarrassed to tell you, but there is a footpath under there. And when I prepared the ground to, to put topsoil on it, he says, I raked it all out, and I just decided to rake the, the dirt over the footpath, and, uh, and I thought I got away with it until the sun came up and started scorching and drying things out. And so here is the deal, friends. Uh, he wasn't prepared to do the hard work to bring out that uh, kangaroo hammer or that big steel bar and the sledgehammer and smash it all up. And uh, I got one of those big steel bars, and uh, gosh, they're good, aren't they? They're just fantastic tools. It's about yay high, 1.8 meters. 
I'm 1.72, so that's 1.8 meters about yay high. It's got a cutting edge at one end and a tip at the other. It's a marvelous tool. I just love it. Um, occasionally, I bring it out, and it's good for me because I don't go to the gym, but, but that's my gym. You know, then I do my workout, and I take this thing, and I... Sl smash things up a little bit and then I get in with that tip and then I pry it up. And So all I'm saying is, I'm not trying to impress you, all I'm saying is to get the boulders out, to get, it requires a little effort on our part. And, uh, and uh, as I said, sometimes people have managed to make things look good on the surface. Everything is cool until the heat comes on. You know, I, like I really got my anger under control. I'm really good, a little pressure, and out comes the fangs. You know what I'm saying? And the teeth. Um, and next minute, they get ready to tear into you and bite you. <laughs> so, so people haven't dug deep enough. They haven't made an effort of digging out, digging out. I remember the first house that Vanessa and I bought uh, in the backyard. They had been, there was an older home and a huge backyard, and there were huge um, sort of blocks of foundation, old concrete foundation that were there, which presumably would have been for a shed that they built. The shed was no longer there, but the concrete foundation was still there. And then I uh, thought, I'm going to deal to this thing. I'm going to smash it up. Um, in those days, I didn't have my big steel bar, but I had a sledgehammer. So I'm sort of uh, digging around it a little bit. And as I dig deeper and deeper, I thought, gosh, how big is this foundation for just a shed? So it turned out that this thing was, you know, a half a meter of, of concrete. And I thought, no, nah, I'm not going to smash this up. I'm going to try a different thing here. So what I did is I took my shovel and I underbarreled it and I dug around it, uh, just left the two sides so that the thing wouldn't collapse on me and I dug and I dug and I dug and I dug a great big hole and the good thing was that in that same place there was a bit of a, a, bit of a ditch uh, in the backyard and I thought I'm going to fix two things, I'm going to bury this jolly thing deep enough so it doesn't bother me um, and then with the extra soil I'm going to level out the ground so I get, I get to like deal with two things at the same time so I dug and dug and dug and then came the big moment where I just you know, pushed the thing down into the big hole, and then I sort of settled it down a little bit, and I covered it all over uh, with uh, dirt. Uh, and uh, forgot what I, why I'm telling you this story. But <laughs> 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 oh, that's right. That's right. Uh, I think I got away with it. I think I got away with it. Uh, there was never a dry batch there because I buried the thing deep enough. Well, that's in the natural but in the spiritual, don't, don't bury things. Get them out. Because no matter how deep you bury things, given enough pressure, it'll still bother you. Get out that offense. Get out that pride. You know, shallow lives. Shallow Christianity. Sometimes we call it Sunday Christianity. Where people are Christians on a Sunday, but not on a Monday. And not on a Tuesday, because it's not convenient on Monday, not convenient on a Tuesday. So, <laughs> I'm going to carry right on. Uh, some of you are starting to sort of uh, phase me out. Uh, praise God. Stony ground, shallow heart. You know, the devil stirs up trouble, persecution, and temptation for the word's sake, in the hope that he can trip you up, cause you to stumble, and get offended. There's a high likelihood, so say with a crowd of this size, that even somebody here this morning, possibly more than one, that's offended 
with God right now. God, I prayed, and it didn't happen, and I'm now brassed off with you. Or, you know, I asked this from my brothers and sisters or from the church, da, 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 and it didn't happen, so I'm now brassed off with them, people that are offended. Interesting, when Jesus spoke about end times, and by the way, we're in end times right now. Matthew chapter 24, Jesus says, many will be offended. It's like this is the age of the offended Christians. Why does that happen? It's part of the devil's plan to tip you over and to trip you up, to cause you to stumble so that you don't produce anything of eternal value. Work might still go well, your career might go well, your business might go well, but in terms of eternal values, uh, you're not producing anything because the word cannot take roots deep enough to actually bring forth the things that God wants to bring forth. The third one is the thorny ground. Thorns. That thorny ground represents people with a selfish heart. You know, there's the hard heart, the shallow heart, and then there's the selfish heart. And these people are overtaken with the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and lusts of other things. It, it's all about me, how I can get what I want and go to where I want to go to, and never mind about everybody else. You know, I heard the saying, I, I've always remembered it because I thought it's a good one. They say, be nice to people on the way up because you meet them again on the way down. And boy, isn't that one truth in life. Like, uh, just keep relationships sweet. Uh, relationships sweet. Keep them sweet. Don't be rude to people. You know, it's like I just can never fathom it where people sometimes are rude to waiting staff in a restaurant they're just doing a job. I mean, some could do a better job, but to, what's the point in being rude to them? And if it's, I've sat with some friends of mine, I shall say, and uh, some of them were ministers of the gospel. I thought, boy, there's no need to be rude to this girl. She's trying. You know, sometimes people come from other places where waiting is in, what are they, what's the term now they use? Waiting staff in restaurants is actually a, a profession. It's not just a job, it's a profession. People have been trained into that. They've gone through an apprenticeship, be trained so that they can do their job well. And, and then we get New Zealand, you know, where people just get a job. And, uh, and many mean well, but like sometimes like, oh, oh, you know, this is not going very well. But this is no, no need to dump on them. Uh, and it's just, you know, so, so and sometimes... Uh, you know, to abuse somebody at a, at a drive-through or something. What is the point of that? Be nice to people. We, we love people. Why are you, some of you looking down and you're avoiding eye contact? Why is that right now? <laughs> Be nice to people. So the thorny ground is the selfish heart where Satan tempts them to focus on temporary things and neglect spiritual things. It's all about the career. It's all about getting ahead in life. And, it, and yet, in the, all the time, God's speaking to us about plenty, yet then he speaks to us about the heart. Bible says the blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. When we guard our heart and we do with our heart what God wants us to do, 
it'll lead us to his prosperity. That's just a natural outworking of us fulfilling the condition. And then we, 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 uh, we do well. We, we go up in the world. But then watch the pride. <laughs> I tell you, I've met people with pride in their heart at both spectrum. I used to do a bit of work in amongst uh, homeless people in Wellington many years ago, and we had an outreach going and dealt with people like, you know, you really try to help people uh, and uh, like who are at the lower end of the socioeconomic ladder, if we can put it this way. And some of them, you know, some of them, it's just sad stories really, but some of them as proud and as staunch as they come. Well, pride is one of those boulders. Got to get the jolly thing out. Arrogance, get the jolly thing out. And then I've seen people where they've prospered, and then, you know, they used to be humble, but now they're doing very well. And now, you know, it's not so important to be in church every Sunday because now we're not as desperate as what we once used to be. So there's an area there, friend, where you've got to just guard your heart at every step of the way, at every stage in life. Guard your heart. So that thorny ground there where the devil just gets them to focus only on natural things to completely neglect spiritual things. That's a trick of the enemy that the devil uses uh, to trip people up. And then number four, you get the fourth ground, the good ground, and that represents people with a good and noble heart, a good and noble heart. Uh, uh, in fact, uh, is it in, in Matthew's version of this parable where Jesus says, those with a good and noble heart. Um, what that means is that these are the people that hear the word, receive it, and bring forth plentiful fruit with endurance. They find troubles in life like everybody else, but they endure through it. They pray their way through it. They praise their way through it. Sometimes there's this mistaken understanding where, you know, people are in church and they're a bit despondent and they're looking at other people and he's so-and-so and they're just worshiping God and they're just shouting for excitement. Think, oh, they got no problems. No, 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 they got problems too. They just know that right now is not the time to think about the problem. Right now is to worship God and to come into his presence so God can lift burdens off of our lives and download answers and solutions to the problems that we are facing. So again, uh, we're kind of working our way through this thing. Uh, I have written down uh, uh, the lessons from this parable here. Um, I guess it's a summary to lay a hold of what Jesus is trying to bring understanding about in this parable that letter A, only people with the fourth type of soil hold the word in their heart long enough and dear enough until it brings it to fruition. We need to hold the word long enough and dear enough. Friend, is the word of God dear to you? Do you treasure the Word of God. I said, it always amazes me when, at, say, this time, sometimes people are flipping around, and you know, while the preaching of the Word goes on, and people are flipping around with various things that are going on, and, and 
so-and-so suddenly feels the urge to go and comb their hair, so they need to go to the bathroom to comb their hair and sit down again and, and you know, and just flipping around. Uh, or during praise and worship, there is just people doing other things. Friend, when it's time for praise and worship, unless your function is absolutely required to make things flow as part of, you know, the ministry, it's time to praise and worship. And when it's the preaching time, it's time to listen. Because even there, the devil tried to distract you in the very phrase that you need to hear in order to bring the revelation that you need. The devil tries to snatch that from you because somebody next to you is flipping around and mucking around. And, you know, as I say, I don't see anybody right now mucking around. But some, you know, I see it and I don't see it uh, because I'm in the zone. When I'm preaching, I'm in the zone. You know, I look at you, I see you, but I don't see you. I don't, it's hard to explain. Um, but as I say, there's sometimes people, people say afterwards, oh, were, you, were you distracted? Uh, I say, no, I was not. But the people next to them were. <laughs> oh. My wife's giving me the fast forward. We will fast forward from here. Skip, skip this point and get to the next point. <laughs> Let it be. It's entirely our responsibility to exercise and prepare our heart to reach good ground status. And the reality is, friends, uh, that yes, we have a measure of Cleansing when we first get born again, you know, Jesus entirely wipes off the record uh, of sin that we have committed and doesn't hold anything against us, but there's still a bunch of stuff in our heart that needs to come out. People think when they are saved, I have arrived. Well, actually, it's only the starting point, okay? <laughs> it is only the starting point, okay? It's the start of the race. And the race, boy, racing people, you never see a long-distance runner taking all of their, their luggage with them. You know, two or three suitcases dragging it along. You will never see that. They run as light as they can. And, 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 and they're as lean as they can be because they're a long-distance runner. Well, Christianity is a marathon. It's a long-distance run, okay? Uh, so let us see. We plow over any hard areas of our heart through repentance. If the heart's got heart somewhere, sometimes people have, uh, it's like a field. Part of it is plowed, but the other part is not plowed. That's possible. You know, they're really good in one area, but they're not so good in another area. We plow over there. Like plowing was one of my jobs when I was a, a little guy. You know, I was only about yay tall. I'm now big and strong, you know, and tall. But... Uh, <laughs> I was only about this high, but I was able to drive the tractor. Boy, I so enjoyed that, you know, like the driving the tractor and plowing, and you just start at the top of the field, work your way back and forth and back and forth, back and forth, and you plow the whole field. There's no point in plowing half of it and leaving the other sort of half ground. You plow the whole thing. And, uh, and, uh, and if the field's been plowed and somebody's trampled over it and got it all hard again, we need to plow it over again. That's like uh, just keep the condition of your heart sweet Keep it clean. Keep it soft. God says, I will take away the heart of stone, Ezekiel, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And the difference between a stone, if you touch it and try to squeeze it, you can't squeeze it, but you touch flesh, you can squeeze it. And if somebody were to reach into your spirit right now, what, what would we feel? 
would we feel, oh, gosh, there's a bit of a rock in here, or, oh, there's a soft and tender heart here. What would we find? Um, so we deal with all of that. We deal with the shallowness in our heart through a fresh commitment to the Lord and His plan for our lives. And then later, E, we deal with selfishness and we clear out of our heart all the cares, all the worries, and all the wrongful desires. Just get rid of it. Get it out. And then we maintain a clean heart and nurture the seed of God's Word in our heart towards fruitfulness and towards a life of plenty. Very quickly now, I've got one more point, one more scripture, and then we're done. God's call to the church today. And I want to read from the book of Jeremiah. And the message specifically was targeted to uh, the Israelites. But it applies to us today just the same, depending on where we are and what's going on. But I believe that God has a message for the church today, and specifically a message to the Western church. Things have gotten so easy uh, in, in the Western world that people are no longer as committed and as desperate as what they once used to be. Backsliddenness doesn't work in persecuted environments. People don't survive. But people in the Western world sort of seem to get by year after year in a kind of a lukewarm sort of a state, a kind of a ho-hum sort of an attitude. But God's bringing a message so to make sure that we're all on fully on fire for Jesus. Jesus says, return to your first love. So Jeremiah 4 verse 1, O Israel, says the Lord, if you wanted to return to me, you could. You could throw away your detestable idols and stray away no more than when you swear by my name, saying, as surely as the Lord lives, you could do it with truth, justice, and righteousness. Then you could be a blessing to the nations of the world and all people will come and praise my name. This is what the Lord says to the people of Judah and Jerusalem. Plow up the hard ground of your hearts. Do not waste your good seed among thorns. O people of Judah and Jerusalem, surrender your pride and power. Change your hearts before the Lord, or my anger will burn like an unquenchable fire because of all of your sins. And friends, this is speaking exactly into what we've been discussing this morning as part of the parable of the sower. God is speaking about the hearts of the people. In this instance, the nation was backslidden. They were just going through the motions of it. Um, you know, like in one place in Isaiah, God says, he says, these people worship me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And that's what he's speaking into. So the key message is here. Very quickly, four, five, six points. Number one, God says, return to me. Number two, throw away your detestable idols. What's an idol? Well, in the Old Testament, idols used to be these man-made sort of figures and statues that they set up and bowed down to and burned incense to. But nowadays, an idol is anything that we put before the living God. You could make your job your idol. You could make your family your idol. You could make your, your, your time off your idol. You could do, make anything, and anything that comes before God is a detestable idol. And sometimes it's not so much having to get rid of things of our lives. It's just reprioritizing. Have you know that job's important? Business is important. Careers are important. 
but God wants to be at the top of the list. All right? Stray away no more. Plow up the ground of your hearts. Do not waste good seed among thorns. What are the thorns? Well, Jesus said that's the cares of this world, deceitfulness of riches, and lusts of other things. He says, get rid of those things. Yes, everybody needs to work. Everybody needs to make a living. Everybody needs to wrestle with, you know, you know having a, a, a form of income and, and dealing with things. Everybody needs to do that. But, but God says, don't make that your God. Surrender your pride and power. And he says, change your hearts before the Lord. And you know, as we wind down, and very shortly we will finish the message and open up the front area here. If you feel that there's an area in your life that you want to surrender this morning, and just as it were, say, okay, God, you're putting your finger on my life here this morning, putting your finger on an area in my heart. I want to get rid of it at the beginning of the year because I want to fulfill your plan and your purpose for my life. Then there will be an opportunity to get out of your seat to come down and to just stand there and do business with God. Whatever it is, and it's entirely between you and God. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. God says, For I know what I've planned for you, says the Lord. I have plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I have plans to give you a future filled with hope. That's God's plan. All right. So let's deal uh, with issues of the heart this morning. And let's clear the deck and, uh, and wipe the slate clean. If there's an offense there, get rid of it today. Don't go home and take it with you. If there's a major setback there, a mega disappointment that you've experienced and, and you've been grieving and you're still grieving and you, there's no sign of you bouncing out of your grief, then lay down this morning and grieve no more. If your heart is filled with constant grief over something that's taken place years ago, you can't move forward and your production center is messed up. And in this instance, it's messed up with what could be deemed to be a good thing. And yet God says when something happens, grieve and grieve properly and then bounce out and get on with life. There's a major setback and somebody's let you down. And perhaps you've built a wall around your life and you decided that you was never going to get hurt again. It's time to tear down that wall. And friend, the wall is not on the outside of your life. The wall is on the inside of your heart. Time to tear it down. Time to get rid of the internal prisons and uh, kind of let God wipe the whole slate clean and start the year fully committed to the purposes of God fully hunger and, and eager to go after God and after His presence and to go after the Word of God and to receive a fresh revelation so that the production center can be flourishing. I wonder if we can have the worship team up. And at this stage, we want to make a shift uh, from you know, teaching the Word. We're finished with the message, and I would like to open up the front of the uh, auditorium here. And if your heart is stirring in any area,